you taking up more of your own space doesn't take away anybody else's space. You shining brightly does not stop anybody else from shining. There is infinite places to be seen in this world and infinite ways to be seen. And actually, you not shining is only going to take away from that. Welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you speak and present with rockstar confidence. I'm Christina Cantors, your host and founder of The C Method Communication Skills Training. For free resources and to subscribe to the show, visit thecmethod.com. Hey there, Rockstar. This is episode 153 of Stand Out, Get Noticed. Christina with you here. This week, we're getting raw, vulnerable, and authentic with the talented, evocative, and powerful Ms. Fleecy Malay. Fleecy is an internationally renowned spoken word artist from the UK. How cool is that? Never had a spoken word artist on the show before. Now based in Melbourne, Fleecy runs spoken word and speaker training courses, including her flagship program, Speak Up. Um, She also runs Melbourne's acclaimed women's spoken word event, Mother Tongue, which happens monthly. I've been along to it and it is an excellent event. You should absolutely go if you are in Melbourne. Now, it's not often you meet a performer and a speaker whose vulnerability and honesty leaves a real profound impression upon their audiences. And, you know, I'm not reading this from Fleecy's bio. I'm actually saying this because I've seen Fleecy perform a number of times and her work is nothing short of spine tingling. So I was super excited when she agreed to be a featured guest on the show. In this podcast, we talk about how Fleecy developed her own authentic voice, what it means to be vulnerable and to show our full selves, and why it's so important if we want to truly connect with our audiences. Fleecy is all about connection with the audience and a true connection, and she talks about how she does this and how you can too. She shares what it means to hold our space to stop apologizing for ourselves and to celebrate each other and not cut each other down. She also shares one of her beautiful spoken word pieces. I'm so humbled to have had her on the show. It's been an absolute honor and I hope that you enjoy what she shares too. Show notes for this episode will be at thecmethod.com slash fleecy. That's thecmethod.com slash fleecy, spelled F-L-E-A-S-S-Y. I will link up her site um, there. It's fleecymalay.com, but I'll link up her site in the show notes with some of her videos as well, which you really should watch because they are amazing. And if you enjoy this episode with Fleecy, please do share it with a friend, a colleague, or someone who you think will also enjoy it. It definitely deserves to be shared. Now, this podcast is for you if you want to get up and speak, but you're not feeling like you really deserve the space. You don't deserve to be there. And even if you simply want to be able to foster a deeper, more meaningful connection with your audience and bring more of your true self to your speaking, then this episode is for you. Now, I met with Fleecy at her beautiful home last week, and it was the day after International Women's Day. And she had a very exciting story to tell me about International Women's Day, which you're about to hear. Okay. Are you ready to let your true self show? 
Here's Flacey Malay. Tell me how your International Women's Day was yesterday. Oh my gosh. It was, it was wild. I had the pleasure of Uplift Connect filming one of my poems and they told me they were going to release it on International Women's Day. And the poem is all about what it is to be a woman and to, it's called Witches. It's about this concept of not having shame for speaking our stories and speaking our truths, especially speaking on no's. And I expected maybe, I don't know, 60,000 views. And we've now, it's twenty about 24 hours later, we've got nearly 500,000 views. And oh so it's just been the, the wildest 24 hours of just not being prepared for that impact <laughs> at all. <laughs> and I've seen you perform Witches and it is it is beautiful and powerful and thought-provoking. And I'd love to learn more about your your work with Spoken Word um, in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um but firstly, the, the way that you approach spoken word and, and speaking is it has a real focus on vulnerability, authenticity and radical honesty. Have you always been able to embody this approach in your own speaking or is that something that's been developed over time? No, that is the, that is the output of a woman who, a young girl really, who was just full of shame and fear and wanting to be cool and wanting to be loved and judging myself. And I was one of those people, like I've been on stage for over 20 years and I stayed the first half of that I spent on stage judging myself completely but I'd come off stage petrified and feeling like the world hated me and feeling like I didn't get my point across or that I was stupid or uncool all the stories that the mind does right and it was only through actually um a year of my life of being on the same stage every week and seeing the same people to the point where sometimes it was just my core friends on the audience that I realized that I couldn't try and pretend to be someone else on stage because the only people that were watching me were my friends And so I can't pretend to be anybody else other than myself when only my friends are watching me. So I had to start actually accepting the person I was with them off the stage onto the stage with me. Was there a particular turning point where that happened? Hmm. There was one day. (laughs) There was one day that I remember, I think there was probably about 10 people in the audience. It would go from 300 to three depending on was the time of year it word? was. This was spoken yep. word. It was an open mic night in Thailand at this resort that I was oh, living cool. at. So sometimes in the, in the low season, it was literally just the people who lived there who would sit, who'd be watching me. And it was one of those kind of quieter times. And I got up on stage and I did something. I did an impression of my cat, I think. Um, and I, and I, where my cat w- was like a piece of linguine. It was called linguine. And he just like, <laughs> <laughs> you could pick him up and he was just super floppy. And I, I like collapsed on stage in this kind of moment of him, or not collapsed badly, but like just let myself kind of flop on the floor. And everybody just broke out into hysterical laughter. And I, and it was like I had released the dork, the inner dork in myself that I'd never let allowed on stage because she wasn't cool enough. <laughs> and people were talking about it for weeks afterwards, <laughs> this impression of Linguini that I'd done. <laughs> and, and it made me realize that actually what people hungered for when I was on stage wasn't a cool version of me, was actually just me, the person that they loved off stage. And I, and I became a real journey of beginning to, it definitely wasn't a sudden change where I just suddenly wasn't that anymore, but it began a real unraveling and, a um inquiry into mm. what i see and what i'm doing to myself when i'm on, when i'm in front of other people and this and this 20 years of experience you've had speaking when you first started what was that spoken word or was it a, a different medium no my i i wanted to be an actress okay i wanted to be a famous movie star <laughs> my first on stage performance i think was a pantomime when i was 9 yep and i was a mouse and my line was mimi 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 <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's kind of where I started. And I went through, I went to stage school. I went to the Brit School in London, which is, um, it's mostly based around music, but they have a, a you know, theatre department and I was in the theatre department there. And it was just from going there and realizing that there was a real two-facedness and inauthenticity and a real kind of competition energy that I felt in that world that just really didn't work for me. And it's not the people's fault who go to the school. It's the industry in itself often has this sense of competition because, you know, if I'm setting up a, a uh, like a course for acting and I want to make film stars, I need three blonde skinny girls, one larger bodied brunette, you know, one person of color, one gay person. And then they, and basically everyone is battling to fit into their right. demographic and it just doesn't work for me because that's not, mm. you can't just fit 500 people into three, three bodies. So, um, I kind of ran away from that and I ran away to the circus thinking I'd find it there. And so I spent a couple of years working in the circuses and then I ran away from the circus, literally <laughs> going like, I don't, this isn't right for me either. Cause it was just as, it was very similar, uh, for me, my experience of it. And then I went traveling and I found myself in Canada. This was about 12 years ago. And I found myself in this tiny little back, back, backpackers hostel and these three people got up on stage and started beatboxing and doing spoken word. And I was like, wow, this is it. This is my place. Yeah. This is, this is, this is, it's real. It's true. It's honest. It's captivating. It's engaging. It's funny. It's edgy. It's dorky. It's all of it. (laughs) (laughs) For those of those people who don't know what spoken word is, can you share? Yeah. So for me, spoken word is, it's an art form that exists between storytelling, poetry, and hip hop like rap and hip hop. Mm. So it has often has rhythm. It has the rhythm and the guts and the kind of vibrancy and energy that comes with hip hop. It has the the florality, the playfulness of 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 poetry, that kind of way of seeing the world with a sense of beauty, and yet it has the energy of captivating and uh engaging and and manipulating emotions and hearts that storytelling has. And so it's this beautiful realm in between the three. What was your first piece about? My my first piece was actually about it was about um it was called New Generation and it was all about this rise of poets that I was seeing actually because it got inspired I was inspired by the poets so I wrote about them and this rise of kind of at the time I was moving in a really kind of alternative scene of people we were with the underground culture and it was the, how this rise of the underground culture was strong and alive and we weren't we weren't a new thing. It had been around for, for, for generations before, but we were coming at it with this new angle of, of reusing and recycling and uh, everything, thoughts, ideas, objects, all this sort of stuff and how that was a generation that was going to change the world. And it's interesting because now I look, you know, 12 years later and spoken word is very popular and the way that life you look around at the, let's say the hipster scene and that's what it's all about. It's all about what can we reuse? What can we take and, and recreate, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so you came to Melbourne. When did you start? Because you run Speak Up, which is a spoken word course. Mm-hmm. When did you start to really get heavily involved in, in spoken word and make this a, a major part of, of who you are and, and what you bring to the world? Basically, why I came to Melbourne, that was my choice. I was sure. living in Thailand at the time and um, and I had I, I really had no money. I had nothing. I was just living off my wits. And someone said to me, you know, you need to do you need to get out of this place? And I was like, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit stuck. I love it here, but I'm feeling stuck. Mm. So I decided to fly to, I hadn't been, I hadn't flown for six years. I've been traveling over land at this point. So it was a big choice wow. for me. I decided to fly and I flew to 
Melbourne. I typed in uh, Australia spoken word and Melbourne spoken word.com came up number one. <laughs> yep. And I was like, right, I'm flying, I'm flying to Melbourne. And when I go there, I'm going to make, I'm going to commit myself to my poetry, to my words. And within a few months of being in the country, I set up Mother Tongue, which is the event that I run. That's and a monthly, it's a monthly, monthly woman event. spoken yep. word event. Yeah. So, and that's been going monthly for five years now. And it started Amazing. off as a, as a single night. I expected 11 people and we got 75 people in the wow. room. Yeah, and it's just kind of rolled on from that. I arrived with one pair of shoes, no pairs of shoes. Actually, I arrived with no shoes. My honesty <laughs> is I had no shoes and a backpack and a hula hoop. And now I'm, you know, a mum living in the suburbs with a house, living my life from poetry and speaking. <laughs> it's yeah. quite a big shift in five years. Yeah. And what's been, um, I guess, one of the biggest things for you in terms of helping other people to learn this this art form and to find their own voice and to and to bring this authenticity and this honesty to themselves like what what's come out of that for you mm. it's something that happened began to happen very naturally i think i began to explore rather than what do i do is in like what art form do i do but what effect do i have on the world mm. so rather than than kind of like trying to work out what's my thing what's my what's my niche it's okay well what do i naturally do and i started to ask people and the reflection back was oh you inspire me to be more myself to be more creative and so for me personally getting to this point 5 years later of, of running my business and 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 having people every week come up to me and thanking me for that work and for that effect is that feeling that i'm on purpose and yeah. that what I'm doing is actually what I'm meant to be doing in this world. And it's a really, really incredible feeling as a, as a, on a personal level. Yeah. And what do you find is the biggest challenge for people when they, when they come into your courses and are sort of encouraged or even forced, I don't know, to, to open themselves up? Mm, never forced. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, for, there's a lot of people carry different reasons for not, for not speaking, but, often it comes back from that fear of being seen. It comes right back to that fear of letting yourself be seen. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, there's a real vulnerability. A lot of people, I think when, when we look at public speaking a lot, well, when I look at a lot of public speaking, there's a certain set of tools and um, techniques that people use to be able to appear confident. So, you know, quite often public speakers, they talk like this, they're up in the top of their voice, it's very active, it's very forwards, and... Um, and we get that a lot in life. That's what we get around us. But actually, there's something really incredible about um, stripping back those masks and actually letting the, the inner self be seen and the true voice, the true self. And that's scary. That's what's petrifying to people. Because in that moment, you're vulnerable. But really, like to create a connection, which is what we're all wanting when we're up on that stage. If I'm up on, the, there's only one reason I'm on that stage, and that is to connect with my audience. Mm. That is to create some kind of connection. If one person comes away from that audience feeling like they've created a connection with me and they are inspired to to be more of themselves, then I have won. I've won that night. And so, if I really want to connect with people, then I have to prepare to let them see me. Otherwise, they they're going to just see the the mask. And we all know when we see that, like we we kind of go with it because we get fed it all the time. But when someone speaks to me with that voice, I kind of switch off a little bit. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm being sold to, and that doesn't work for me. I don't want to be I don't want to be actively trying to I don't want to be lying because that's what that is. When we use that that voice, it's a, it's a lie of who I am. Mm -hmm. But actually, the true person is is this one right here. Um. And also when we come from that place, when we speak from from up in our throats, this higher voice, hi, this is what you go on the Aussie radio, everybody on the radio is always talking like this. They're really, oh, everyone's really excited. Oh, my God. I don't know. You guys can't see, but Felicity right now has got a really tight 
open smile on her face. Yeah. yeah. Eyebrows up, Eyebrows shoulders up, up everything. Very, up. very tense. Yeah. Very tense. And yeah. that is actually the place of that's the place of fear in speaking from my work. Um, what I've seen is when we are afraid, our voice comes up and we start to live in our throat with our voice. And it is a um it, it causes this this outward projection of every other thing in our body begins to tense up. So you saw my voice came up, my eyebrows came up, my body came up and you said tense. Mm. Now what we do as humans is we mirror. So as an audience member, when I see that and when I'm listening to their voices, part of me tenses up too as an audience member. And I begin to, and I'm like tense too. I'm in this tension point. But you may not be, you may not think why. But I'm not you don't know why. Yeah, I don't even wear of it most <laughs> of the time. It's, yeah. un, it's only through doing the work that I notice it in my body. It's, it's, it's human psychology. We mirror what we see. Um, now, what if someone is then on stage and it happens when I see it, it's like when I see someone get up on stage and not do that and actually just bring themselves in a very honest and a very grounded way, I relax. Like part of me goes, oh, thank you. Mm. And I don't have to do all the work. And there's all this work that I don't have to do to be able to hear what they're trying to tell me because I'm just there. I'm not tense. I'm not like trying to see through something they're pretending to be to find yeah. out what's going on. I'm just given it. And I don't have to do all that subconscious work. Would it be fair to say that the audiences will let their guard down somewhat because they feel relaxed because you're relaxed? Exactly. They trust you. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm more likely to trust somebody who's going to speak with me with their, with their genuine honest voice than someone who's going to be using a sales voice on me or a performance voice or a speaker voice. And we all do it. It goes right back to high school when you have to read out of your books. You're like, there was the day at school that we <laughs> had to go to the shop, you know, <laughs> and we go up in this speaker voice and it's so inauthentic. It's not real. It's not us. It's not who we are. And, and actually everybody sounds the same when they're there. And that's mm. not the truth of life. We're not all the same. We're all beautifully unique and individual. And that's the juicy stuff. That's mm. the stuff we hunger for when we're something, in the audience. Something I notice as well is that they sound the same the whole way through. So the mm. tone's the same, the volume's the same, the pitch is the same, and there's no up and down or nuance in it. And it gets very boring very quickly as well. That's what I find. Or else the, the spoken word that I've seen, there is so much variation there. There's so so quiet, you can barely hear it. And mm. there's loud, it breaks your eardrums. Mm. And it just goes up and down and it just, it's so compelling to listen to. Yes, it really is. And there, I mean, there's, there's also different types of spoken word. So there is some stuff like in slam, there's a whole technique of basically just shouting at the audience the whole time. <laughs> and that's, that, it can be really um, emotive, but actually it doesn't, it's, does, it's not compelling to me as a story. Yeah. You know, I, I actually, part of me closes off again because I feel like I'm being shouted at. So it's this real place of, of letting the natural song, the natural melody of how we talk come through. And, and really embracing that because, again, there's safety. The, when we go up into this voice up here, there's safety in that. That's why we do it because we've got control of everything. Our bodies are all in control. We know that we're, especially for women, because I work with a lot with women, we're in the nice zone when we're up there. Like, ah, I'm speaking with my nice voice, which means I'm not going to offend anybody too much. <laughs> as opposed to? As opposed to when we're down here. Mm. And if, like, so when we speak from down here, often the things we say are going to come from a much more truer place. And then we risk offending people. We risk being a little bit too honest about stuff. And then who knows what might happen from then on in, you know? Mm. Like the- Can you explain what you mean by down here? Okay. Because so I can see you. I can see you. Can see you in yes. there. Those of you who can't see Felicity, she kind of, I don't know, what did you do? <laughs> she went, like, uh, yes. the body just sort of went down, like down, but in a relaxed way. And it's a very relaxed way. And it's, it's the difference. If you just say a word, if you were to say, um, hi, how are you? And hi, how are you? 
you can feel the difference in your yes. body. It's it's a whether the the in, in theater when we learn about the voice, there's seven places the voice can come from. This is what I was taught at, at school, and the place that I like to speak from the most is kind of. It's actually around my kind of my my hips, my genitals, my my kind of reproductive area, my stomach, my guts, right? Because that is where the primal that's the primal self. That's mm. where our our core voice wants to come from. That's where the truths are going to come from. And it's beautiful to have those other places to use as tools when I want to drop into my heart, you know, like <laughs> go into my heart space. But that's not how I talk most of the time, and yeah. it's actually not where my where my my core guts of my stuff is going to come from. Mm. And for the people who go through your courses, the people who you, who you coach and mentor and teach, what are some of the things you, you do to help them to feel comfortable with being seen? One of the, one of the big things that we do is just give people space to be seen with nothing to do. So what is it to stand up there and have an audience of people looking at you when you have no reason for being there? And this is that moment. So if you think of a musician or you think of someone doing a speech or someone doing a poem, it's that space between the songs, that space between the poems, between the the introduction and the words, when it's just you and the audience and you have no reason for your validity. You this have is no, before you've started this speaking. Is, this is no speaking at all. No this speaking, is, okay. this is just standing up there and being seen. Yeah. And what is it in that moment when you have no reason to validify your worth? You know, like, like I have this amazing song that I wrote. That's why I'm up here. So I actually am allowed to be up here because I have this amazing thing to give you or um, whatever the story is. But who are you in that moment when your only grasp of worth in front of other people is yourself and your knowledge of yourself and the, knowing that you are worthy to exist in this world? Because a lot of people, we when we're on stage, we're apologizing a lot of the time. We're apologizing in the way we use our voice. We're apologizing in the way we use our body. And how do people show that through their body? A really obvious one is, is well, the most obvious one is saying sorry. So saying something and then going, sorry, sorry, one second. Oh, so literally, literally apologizing for sorry. what you just said. That's yeah. the obvious well, one. Sorry I messed up. Sorry about that. Exactly. Okay. Or, for example, with a poem, before even saying their poem, they'll go, so I just, I mean, I just wrote this. It's probably, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not quite, it's not quite finished yet. Okay. That's an apology before you even started. That's please don't hold too much expectation of me. I don't know if I can, mm. I, I'm not worthy of that expectation. Then, with the way we use our voice, a really big one is is leaving our voices up. So up speaking, which is very in Australian culture, but it's also you see it in English people people's voices as well, especially when we introduce ourselves. So this like, is like, like Christina, a, like that. Exactly. So if someone goes, introduce yourself, and you go, "Hi, I'm Christina." That's a question. That in the sense mm. of questioning. There's no planting. There's no grounding. It's not like I am Christina. Mm. There's no owning in that. And in that moment, it's it's a bit of a. Is that okay? Is it okay for me to fill this space right now? Is it okay for me to exist in this space right now? When we go right back into it, it's, it's that core of like, do I have permission right now to, to, to do this? And it's externally looking for that permission. And what I'm about is that knowing that we have, we are born with permission to speak. We are born with permission to live and to fill up as much space as we need. And actually the space, the stage is the safest place to be with that stuff. I really believe that. Mm. And you provide that space so beautifully. Mm -hmm. I've been to your, I've been to Mother Tongue and saw some wonderful things unfolding there. Actually, Lizé joined me on the show the other week and we talked about um, how she performed it at Mother Tongue and made everyone cry. Oh, God, she got a standing ovation. <laughs> she did get a standing yeah. ovation. Go back and listen to that episode, everyone. I think it was 150 we did. <laughs> Just incredible. And and I've seen your your students speak at the end of the, the Speak Up um, 
uh, course as well. And something that that I really loved about the way that you framed that whole evening was you got up in, at the start and you said, this is a, a beautiful, safe environment mm-hmm. and we are – and the only reason we you've all been invited is because you have been given or you've been given that that permission to be an audience member and we know that you'll create the safe environment with us which i absolutely loved yeah it's that it's about the creating spaces for vulnerability mm. we don't live in a world that has a container for vulnerability you know we live in a world where we're brought up on competition rather than on celebration and so I really believe in showing up with authentically and with vulnerability and that becoming, that inspiring others to do the same. But do you push your comfort zone? You don't push your safety zone. There's two differences in that. So for me, pushing my comfort zone is doing something that's like a bit bigger than where I think I am, but actually I can do it. Sure. Pushing my safety zone is me going into a, as a queer woman going into a pub full of drunk you know, wild skinhead, Nazi, mm. whatever, whatever the story is you want to give it, you know, and yep. doing a poem about making love to a woman, you know, yep. that's pushing my safety zone. That's an extreme. Yes. Now for me, if I had never spoken before in public and had written a poem and was feeling very like shaky about it, I wouldn't go to a pub where people are drinking and talking and not giving me their attention because that doesn't create, that's not a safe container for that Mm. first step. Maybe one day I'll get to the point where I can go in that room and know that I will captivate one person in that space. Or if I just speak into the void, someone will hear what I have to say and they need to hear it. But maybe that's not the place that I'm at. And the safe container might actually be just ringing my best friend and beginning there and going, hey, I want to be seen. Will you see me? And then beginning to push that comfort zone slightly every time. Mm. And so when we do speak up, what we do with the final performance in the in-person program is that we invite two or three people that we trust to hear us, that we, that we know can hold that space. And we invite them to become our audience members. So each person invites three people. And then we know that we have an audience that, of people that, who are trusted. Yes. So what about in, say, a work environment where those sorts of trusting, safe environments aren't usually provided for us? Mm. If we want to start being more authentic and, and speaking speaking honestly at work, what's the safe zone that we can create for ourselves there? For me, the first point is the, is the remembering, because we other each other a lot in our society. It's very easy to kind of like um, go, well, they've obviously got it sorted and I haven't got it sorted. You know, they're, they've got their money situation. They've got their love situation. They've got whatever it is sorted or I'm better than them or they're better than me kind of mindset. Mm. So remembering that everybody in our workplace, every single one in our workplace is actually a human with a beating heart who, who also feels the same things. They also carry shame. They also carry fear. They also carry the desire to be loved. They also love deeply. They laugh. They cry. They watch Netflix in the evenings, you know, all the things that we do and beginning to, um, approach each other with that, with that rather yeah. than with just seeing people as the, the role that they play in our workplace or within the, that kind of dynamic that they, we've already created and actually beginning to talk to people. So a super simple one, like when I go to the supermarket, letting myself drop out of that, hi, how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. And actually being honest and going, if someone goes, hi, how are you doing? And I'm not having a great day. I'm like, ah, I'm not having the best of days. How about you? Mm. You know, I don't have to go into my story. I don't have to, to, to rip. I just, it's not a kind of, it's not a kind of like um, showering them with my therapy. It is an honest answer. You know, I'm mm. not having the best of days, but how about you? Mm. you know thank thanks for inquiring how's your day you know and i think that that those tiny little moments of actually letting the truth of who we are be seen 
begins that small, those ripples of being allowed to show up authentically with other people. And you'll find that maybe some people aren't ready for it. You know, there's going to be some people that you say that to and they're going to be like, woof, geez, heavy. And they'll walk away, you know? They're like, I just want to get through my shift. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's what's really going Why on. Why do I always get the difficult customers? <laughs> yeah. And then you'll get some people that, and you'll see, you'll see exactly what we talked about earlier. Their shoulders will drop and they'll be like, oh, a real human. Thank you. And you'll find actually that, that you start that for me, when I worked in jobs like that, when I worked in hospitality, it was the people who were prepared to actually be honest with me that made my days easier to get through. Like I actually, I, I kind of, I kind of wanted to go into that. I just want to get through my shift. Let's not talk too much. But actually yeah. it was the people who were prepared to make conversations with me and to be honest and to tell me about the quirky little things that were happening in their day or whatever that actually made my life worth living <laughs> when I was living a life doing hospitality. Yes. And I think it's the same when we're working in an office or when we're working in a corporate environment, especially there's not, as you say, there's not much of a container created for people to be themselves. But actually, it's been proven like a million times over that when people in a workplace feel comfortable to be themselves, we work more efficiently. When we feel, when we feel comfortable with the people around us, we are happier. We work mm-hmm. more efficiently. And actually, we can create that space. We don't have to rely on our employees or, or whatever to do that. We can be the one that starts to create that, that starts to create being ourselves in the world. Isn't it? That um, I love that. Is it Marianne Williamson? Mm. The quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the quote oh. is something along the lines of um, it is not our light. It is not um, our darkness. It's not our darkness that we are most afraid of, but it is our light. And something on the questions of we we question who are we to shine so brightly? Well, I question who are you not to. It makes me tingle oh, every time. Every time. Every, every time, time I hear that quote. And then as we let our lights shine, mm. we unconsciously give permission for others to do the exactly. same. Exactly. And that is really the core of my work, that the, this concept, I actually have a poem about it, about being the tall poppy. And we, we have this concept of the tall poppy that when somebody begins to shine, to cut them down. But actually, what if we just celebrated? What if when somebody rose, we celebrated and then they celebrated us back and we all started to rise up? And I think that's something that the spoken word community does really well, is that when a poet gets up there on stage, like I went to the States, I was part of the Australian team to represent Australia last year. And I was there with 80 teams from all over the States, all there because they had won slams and they'd been given this permission. And people would get up on stage and it didn't matter whether they were in the opposing team to you or not. You would, you would call out to them and you'd be like, you got this, go in, yep. like speak it like you wrote it. Don't be nice. Like <laughs> give it to us, you know, like really loving them up as they were getting on stage. There was no one shouting, you suck. You know, that's yeah. not, it's not part of the culture. Mm. And I think that that's something that if, that I want to bring out into daily life is this air of celebrating, especially for me as a woman celebrating other women, but also just as humans beginning to celebrate each other. And um, and that doesn't mean not calling out when we see something that's out of alignment, but it does mean celebrating each other as we rise. I've actually heard people say out loud, oh, we, we think that so-and-so is great or we think he's amazing or she's great, but don't tell her mm. because she'll get a big head. Oh. I've had people say that directly to me. I had I had one. I remember I just met two, these two women um, at when I was doing my business course, and one of them said to me, "Oh, by the way, we think that you're great." And the other one said, "Oh, don't tell her that; she'll get a big head." Yeah. And I thought, 
Are you serious? Mm. I loved hearing that. And no, mm. it's not going to give me a big head, but yeah. I feel really special that you shared that with me, but you've just ruined it <laughs> by saying by saying that. And I think it just, it happens so much in our culture. And, and I love that you're working to, you know, to turn this around. Mm. We definitely need more of that encouragement. And, and it happens from a really young age as well. Especially, mm. I mean, like I, I keep bringing this back to being a woman because that is often the place that I work in the most. And that is like, how many times did I get told as a kid to stop being such a center of attention? To stop mm. shining so brightly, to stop, to stop show demanding, off. to sh- show yes. off exactly, drama queen, show off, stop. And actually, what was happening was I, my, I have a natural talent to captivate. That's where my talent lies. Some people have a fantastic capacity to understand numbers and to understand theories and to understand all this other stuff. My skill is the capacity to captivate people. Now, when I stepped into my skill, rather than going, wow, you're amazing at that. Here's how you can use that skill to better the world. They went, hey, hey, hey. Back, chill out, back down, <laughs> back in the corner, mm. you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a real cutting down of, of that, of that skill. But actually there is you taking up more of your own space doesn't take away anybody else's space. You shining brightly does not stop anybody else from shining. There is infinite places to be seen in this world and infinite ways to be seen. And actually you not shining is only going to take away from that. Because every time somebody meets you, they then get the permission to not shine. Whereas you shining, every time someone comes in to meet with you, they get the permission to shine. And that is what I'm about, is that that viral nature of, of what it is to really show up with fullness. And we see it, like I use the term viral because we see it online when someone spreads a, po- a positive video, millions of other positive videos on a the similar theme will appear. And that's the point of it. If we show up and we shine, we inspire others to do the same. Love it. Mm. Felicity, would you be so kind and generous as to share that that piece with us about the tall poppy yeah i will yeah Hmm. she was 14 she was born with dreams of stardom and she'd already mastered the art of slalom to dodge the bullets thrown by the harsh tongues of adolescence spirit palescent her mind sharp with a curious heart she was the perfect target for it she danced Spent her days in trance with the flickering of unreachable stars. They called her Poppy. Spent their days trying to cut her down. Eventually they didn't miss. They hit. She split down the centre. Caught in the rift between reality and dreams, she fell and hit the ground. No longer she danced. Spent her days in trance with visions of soaring high and studying grass. She walked smoke-paved paths. They called her Poppy. So she'd fall on her ass. But her roots were deep, so she took to the street where her wit could save her from defeat. Her arms stretched, her thumb took chart the path. Her backpack carried heavy maps that carved their mark upon her heart. She touched the stars, the fallen ones, just like her, where needles and smoke rings had become the cure. All stretched on cardboard beds, all lost and found in the heart and the head, all called Poppy, just like her. Each one cut before their prime, symptoms of a society which just isn't quite right. I mean, when did it become such a crime to shine? Poppy stared into the eyes of fallen flowers, all doped up on reasons to escape and realised that her fate just wasn't headed that way. Her demise hadn't begun, her eyes was on its way, and she followed with her eyes as the sun continued every day. You see, she is not a poppy. She never has been. She is a sunflower growing, and she is full of ripening seeds. Mm. 
And the thing about a sunflower that's so special, you see, is it's impossible to just pass one by without taking a moment to dream. You know, like, oh, if I had a garden, or oh, maybe when I get back home, or maybe I'll plant sunflowers, just so I can watch them grow. And so she lives like this, leaving in her path a trail of scattered sunflower seeds and a field of blooming hearts, each rising with each other to see how bright they can become, each turning to each other, each made of earth and sun. And the truth of this story is that every single one of us, sitting here in our rooms, whether we're a poppy or a sunflower, we all deserve the right to bloom. Thank you so much, Felicia. That was just beautiful. You're welcome. I just got my own private show. <laughs> well, not private because we're all listening, but I feel like it's a private show. Private in the, in the lounge room. Felicia Millet, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for, you for sharing all your, your wonderful authenticity and, um, and, and wisdom with us. Tell us more about the upcoming Speak Up courses. Mm. So I have one coming up in Melbourne, which is an in-person course, and that starts in April. And then in May, I'm going to be running my first online program. So I'm taking this work after five years of running it and people asking me, I'm doing it. And we're going to have an online program for people to basically step into the power of your voice. And we, we use spoken word as our art form mm. to do that with this particular program. But that doesn't mean you have to consider yourself a poet or have ever felt like you write, you write spoken word. It is about utilizing that as a vehicle for you to step into your own voice. And it's just such an incredible experience. Yeah. Mm. And who, who is the course for? It's really for anybody who feels like they're not being seen or heard in this world. Because I'm the, the spoken word element of it is the vehicle, the landscape that we're looking at is self-worth of what it is to really let ourselves be seen. And so, and I really believe that most people in this world actually struggle with that. So if you have ever written something and felt like, oh, this isn't something anyone would want to hear, or if you've ever gone to stand up and do a presentation and caught yourself going, well, who am I to inflict myself on these people's voice in these people's ears right now before you start speaking? Then this program's for you. If you're a yoga teacher, it's for you. If you're, if you're doing presentations, it's for you because it's, it's about being yourself and having your voice heard. Mm. Felicity, thank you for all that you do. And, um, and I hope that people do go, firstly, go check out your viral video. <laughs> Let's get that up to a million views, shall we, yeah. next week. And to definitely check out your programs as well. Mm. So thank you so much again. Thank you. A very powerful message from a truly remarkable woman. You know, I felt a real sense of calm after speaking with Fleecy and I am inspired now to be more aware of, you know, how vulnerable am I being? Am I being, bringing my true self to all the speaking and to all that I do? And is that going to help me to connect more with my audience? I certainly hope it does. Now, the video that she mentioned, the the witch's uh, spoken word piece. Now, at the time I recorded, I'm recording this, this outro, I checked the Facebook page and her video has had over 1.3 million views. How good is that? So do go watch it. It's called Witches. Um, I'm putting a link to that video. I'm, I'm embedding it in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash fleecy. 
F-L-E-A-S-S-Y. That link is in the description of this podcast in your app. So you can tap and hold on that link. It'll take you straight there. And do share this episode with the women in your life. It is truly remarkable and an eye-opening and powerful. It's amazing. Um, I can't get enough of Fleecy. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, also, you can co- connect with Fleecy at fleecymalay.com. It's a bit of a tricky spelling. Um, fleecymalay.com. I will link that up in the podcast description. So check that out. Okay. Now, I do have one quick announcement before I let you go. Next week, I'm speaking at the Girl Geek Dinners Meetup event happening in Melbourne, which I'm really excited for. It's going to be, um, it's Wednesday, the 21st of March in the evening from 6pm. I'll be talking about how to build confidence to speak up at work in order to get more opportunities and move on up. Um, Similar to what Fleecy and I were speaking about today, um, I'll be sharing how you can you know, hold your space and feel confident in your value and believe that you are worthy of of speaking up and and going for opportunities. So that's what the workshop's going to be about. Really excited and I cannot wait to see you there if you do come along. Um, All the info for that will be at at my events page, thecmethod.com slash events. That's thecmethod.com slash events. So if you are listening to this sometime in the future, you can go to that page as well and I'll have um, information and links there to all the upcoming workshops, speaking events and and other events that I'm attending um, and running in the future. So make sure you go check that out. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you next week. Uh, The next few episodes will be solo shows. I know I've done a few interviews recently, but I've got a bunch of things that I really want to share and that will be coming up in the coming weeks. I'm very much looking forward to that. My name's Christina Canters and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. Keep on being awesome.